everyone and welcome to another edition of Underexposed. This is the When Ready show produced as the sister podcast to Sunny 16, where I get to speak with analogue artists and photographers whose work sometimes flies a little bit below the radar. Over the past month or so, I've had the chance to meet, talk to and work with six awesome women. Count them, not just one, not just two, but actually six. Um, first, um, we've got Leah Elm, who's at All Things Ella. Uh, I also got a chance to speak to Nikki Cooley of the Unio Collective, Sarah, who's a 17-year-old art student who's coming to analogue photography for the first time, and also three wonderful women, Hilary, Meredith and Ruth, who came along to the Little Vintage Photography headquarters for one of my adventures in analogue full-day workshops. So, today's show consists of some in-person audio interviews that I recorded whilst on location with the photographers themselves. So, firstly, I'm going to introduce Sarah and Nikki. Sarah's just starting work on her first analogue project as part of her A-level, titled Beautiful Monotony, exploring the use of instant and 35mm film to capture the small moments of everyday life. Nikki comes to analogue after a career change in 2014, when she gave up a position working as a financial journalist in London to study an art history master's in Manchester. She says that to her, the film photograph is the perfect notion of magic and that she finds finds the detail in its grain mysterious and beautiful. Having held on to her dad's old Olympus OM-10, she picked that up again and now spends most of her time shooting and printing in the darkroom. She was accepted onto the Lightbox programme in association with the Red Eye Network, which some of you may have come across before, and is currently working collaboratively with her collective to bring together her first exhibition. Last winter, she traced a family through old postcards that she'd found forgotten in a junk shop and has photographed a collection of objects that the family kept to remember the lives of their parents who have since passed away. So um, just to start off, um, obviously, you you know who I am. Uh, I run Little Vintage Photography. I know that Sarah doesn't really know. Her teacher basically was like, go along and do this and chat to this crazy woman. So that's how we've ended up here today. Um, but uh, but maybe Nikki, maybe you can just tell me a little bit about about yourself and how you've kind of got to the point where you are in terms of using analog. So my dad sat me down. I know this is like the story that everybody has, but my dad is like a, an engineer, mm-hmm. so he has very specific. You know, everything is clean, and he always keeps like the manuals and the boxes for anything he ever buys and things like that. So he sat me down when I was like twelve, and this is pre digital anyway, and he had this camera that he bought with all the lenses and all the gear and the little brushes and the filters. And he sat down on the on the bed and like, it was all really quiet and he's like, you know, takes takes his time opening the back and showing me how to load it. And it was just, and it took a while, but he showed me how to do every little part of it. And ever since then, I just like, it's just been like a really quiet way to like make photographs, but also, you know, for myself, it's quite nice to go out and have that headspace sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like analog. Yeah, photography. I think, Sarah, you mentioned, didn't you, that your um, dad um, gave you a film camera as well? Yeah, it was one that he bought in the 80s. So uh, I said that I wanted to buy a digital camera, and he was like, we've got an, uh, a film camera in the loft, you can have that if you want. And I was like, oh, okay. So he, <laughs> so he gave me it, and I had to look at film, and I was like, well, well, we'll wait until I can buy some film for it, and then find a good project to do. Excellent. That's my tummy. Did you hear that? Sorry, that's probably all over the recording now. I think it happened at least after you'd finished speaking, so I might edit that bit out. Yeah, we'll leave that one. Nobody wants to listen to that. Um, I'll, I'll have to sort out some biscuits for later. Sorry, ladies. 
Um, so which kind of camera is it that you, you, you're mainly using at the moment, Sarah? <clears throat> uh, I have a Nikon 1200, so a DSLR at okay. the moment. And uh, I have the Pixel 2, so that mm. has a pretty good camera on it. So if I'm out and about and I don't have my camera with me, then I use that. So. And in terms of this particular project that you're doing at the moment, um, tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's called Beautiful Monotony, and it's about um, recognising the nice little moments in a really regular day. So, whether it be seeing your friends, or something nice happens, like maybe a stranger compliments you on the street, and you're like, oh, that's so nice. Or, I fa the thing that actually inspired this project was I was sat on the train, and I saw a woman, like, chatting with her, with her son, and they were just laughing and having a nice time, and I was like, that's so sweet. And that inspired this whole project, really, actually. So, it's just about appreciating even the most boring of days mm. so. Something, so there's always something some little bit of beauty in in that you know like going over um sort of like past frodsham and past that like um power plant and things i think a lot of the time people can look at things like that or industrial landscapes and think there's no beauty in that and i i kind of think there is there's definitely beauty in that you know seeing the sort of like the steam or whatever and when the sun set there's a beautiful sunset that happens over that over that over that and it just looks amazing, kind of like rising up with the steam and things. And it, it's like you say, it's those little things. We were talking about, you know, you may be getting a nice cup of tea in the morning or something, yeah. or coffee. And um, and thinking about, you know, actually how the, the light hits the mug or, you know, all of those little things, those little moments, which um, seem really nice. I don't know if you what you think, maybe. Yeah, you know, actually, this probably fits quite well because the exhibition that I'm doing, it's like my first exhibition. So we're in kind of the same boat in a lot of ways. Is for the Liverpool Biennial and the title is Beautiful World, Where Are You? So it's looking at these sorts of things. Mm. Obviously, there's loads of things you could respond to that with because it's quite general. So that's kind of like, it's kind of similar, like in a lot of ways. You know, looking for the extraordinary and the ordinary and things mm. like that. And so um, you mentioned that it's part of the Liverpool Biennial. Yeah. Uh, so is that happening next year? So that's this summer. Right. But actually for me, I'm part of this um, group called Lightbox, which is connected to the Red Eye Photography Network in Manchester. Mm -hmm. So we're like, I'm part of this collective that's been put together. So they picked 25 photographers of all different backgrounds. So some like really experienced photojournalists. And then there's like me who considers myself a bit of an amateur slash hobbyist. And am I something more than that kind of thing? So we've been put together in these mini collectives of groups of six to seven people. And we all work together to create like a group exhibition in response to this biennial title. So the festival is somewhere we're going to go. So for me, it's like my first exhibition and it'll be like, you know, it's quite challenging because it's the first time I've done like a project to a title, which I guess is kind of similar for you, is it? Yeah, yeah, I, I did GCSE art, but that's obviously nothing like that. Though we did have, you know, Constellations in the Baltic Triangle, by any chance, it's mm -hmm. a little, it's a nice little bar. We had a, an exhibition in there and it was on Zodiac, so I drew pictures of my friends and, but made them look like their sign, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So things that were inspired by their star sign, mm -hmm. I drew on them and we had an exhibition there, so it was really good. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of the um, collective, in terms of Lightbox um, itself, how did you end up being part of that? So I just went through an application process and actually I'd had a lot of rejection in the run-up to it and I just thought, oh, here's another thing, I'll just apply and it was very last minute. I thought, I'll probably not get it, but I'll just put my application in anyway. And then I got it and then it was this amazing thing because it's basically all about 
democratizing photography so there's no hierarchy so when we're in these groups there's no you know like when you go to university there'll be like a course leader and there's like an established way of doing things you're just basically thrown together with with people of totally different ages backgrounds everything like wide spectrum of personalities and you have to sort of make work together whilst also retaining your own individuality mm. so in some ways aside from the photography thing it's actually been really really challenging to work in that way as a like artist photographer and that kind of thing have you always worked on your own um, previously uh, have you come to this is the first time that you're having this sort of these challenges this sort of situation yeah definitely especially with analog photography because I do tend to go into it in kind of like a quiet solitary way anyway and I work from a dark room so I'm literally in the dark alone in in the quiet and that's part of the whole kind of appeal to me it was very different coming into this group because there's all these um you know coming up against people who so there's a photojournalist who's got like a 30-year career history which he's got this amazing catalogue of work you know with like David Beckham and Liam Gallagher and stuff but he's very digital so he he looks for a, a different type of end image to me so when we talk and I'm talking about the darkroom and I'm showing him my photographs like the cyanotype that you've shown on like some crafty sort of paper he doesn't necessarily get that mm. and then for me sometimes it's quite difficult because I'm still kind of emerging and you know maybe not that confident in myself in some ways it's a bit like oh should I be aiming for the more professional look in photography and I feel like with photography that's somewhere where it goes is it is it supposed to be a certain way do people look at it and think that's not a good photograph because this part of it isn't in focus and things like that mm -hmm. so I found that quite difficult how have you um how have you found that like obviously working with um, with somebody who's got such completely different views or you know very very sort of like different views have you found that actually using analog um, makes a difference in terms of backing up those arguments and saying how you might else approach it it tends to be with him actually because he's had such a long career he used to work in a dark room mm -hmm. so he comes from learning photography in that more traditional way anyway so when we've been talking, he's looking at doing a project on dementia, so he's looking at like fading memory and things like that. So we've had discussions where he considered at one point going back to the dark room, and then he was talking to me about this film camera. I've basically bought a new film camera, it's the Mamiya RB67, and it's absolutely massive, and the whole thing is clockwork, so it comes out on like a bellows, but the image is crystal clear. And I've never really chased that sort of like quality kind of look before. So he's kind of inspired me to, I guess, up my game on that a little bit, but still have the film thing. And I'm still probably going to use the dark room and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So we've kind of like worked together in some ways. And it's been quite nice. And we have a shared sense of humour. So we end up falling about laughing. So it's never like a, you know, it's never like a problematic thing. Yeah, sure. So it's quite nice. I like that because it sounds very much like you've both got something out of that collaboration and out of that relationship. Um, and that hopefully it'll take your work somewhere else after, you know, yeah. after that point. Like you say, suddenly you're going, oh, well, what, what other options are there in terms of how I, which kinds of cameras, rather than using a plastic toy camera, maybe there are, you know, obviously, as we know, there are some wonderful, beautiful um, film cameras that do give you that real sharpness and, and what have you say. So, uh, I'm so, so excited about that camera. Yeah. It's kind of, uh, I just need to paint a picture though because <laughs> I find it hilarious that you've gone for the camera that is, is that camera because it's so big. It's, it's such massive. a big camera. It's a tripod camera. Yeah. And, and Nikki's like, what, you five foot-ish? <laughs> <laughs> She's tiny. <laughs> and, and 
um, actually, um, there's a chap who has done quite a bit of sort of assisting work for me, uh, Luke, and he's six foot two, six foot three or something. Uh, so he has the same camera and it looks great on him because it just sort of like sits down. I'm like, yeah, that's the right size camera for you. And uh, yeah, and then I turn up with mine and he's like, what on earth? You just look. It just looks really funny. It makes me laugh. So uh, yeah, it is an amazing camera, and I was lucky to get a really good deal on a mint condition one because uh-huh. they're they're all battered basically because yeah. they're so old. But very popular because they do a. I don't know. You probably haven't heard of medium format yet <clears> if you're in thirty five mil, but it's so detailed the photograph. But instead of being the square that it mm-hmm. usually is, it's a six by seven. Mm-hmm. So you get a bit more of a creative yeah. like frame as well. Some of the, um, I mean, there's so many different formats in terms of analog photography. So obviously at the moment, Sarah, you're working with um, 35 mil and instant and that kind of thing. Um, but then there's also areas like, like you were saying, Nikki, medium format and then things like large format. So um, I've been working on a, um, a project um, which was for a corporate client and that was using large format pinhole that I was shooting from like a rooftop in the Midlands um, to basically capture the, the landscape and then so that we could blow those up. So they're going to be three metres wide by like two metres high, which is huge. Um, but all of these different formats, as you say, you know, with the medium format, um, the square, uh, six by six might be used quite often, but there are also ones like six by nine or six by seven or what have you, and they all give you a different kind of shape, um, which is brilliant because you've got so many options. It's lovely actually having you both here to talk to because you're coming at it from different points in your career, but also as you said, Vicky, you know, um, with you both about to do exhibitions and, and working on projects with specific titles, it's quite quite nice to see where you're where you're at with that. So a medium format. Once you've tried it, you'll you'll just like you'll be hooked on it because the <laughs> detail is just amazing. I only discovered it about maybe a year and a half ago. I got like a you know the twin lens like the the Rolleiflex. You know where you look down and then I don't know if you've seen people taking photographs like that. Yeah, I think so. But like the, just the detail yeah. is just incredible. It's wonderful. So, yeah. So um, uh, so Nikki, tell us a little bit about how you've got to the point where you're doing this exhibition. That's through Lightbox, isn't it, and Red Eye Network? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So um, what stage are you at with that? So we, um, the course is basically like a platform. So they have given us a lot of training, like classes and things. So it's kind of like an alternative to like a master's in photography, I guess. And so there's a lot of contact making and networking and so it's given you all those benefits but also we get a mentor so our mentor for our group we were really lucky to get Thomas Dukes at the Open Eye Gallery he's the curator there and he specifically does photography and he's very embedded in the Liverpool scene so for us to be doing the biennial we've got a great a great mentor in him so he's been kind of talking to us from a curating point of view on how to put this exhibition together We've got a venue which currently stands in the Adelphi. We've got a big room in there which is quite central to Liverpool. It's a crazy looking room as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a wild room. Describe the room for us, Nikki, because I just thought, you sent me a photo of this and I thought, wow, this looks crazy. Have you seen it, Sarah? I don't know if you've been to the Adelphi at all. I've been in there for afternoon teas. Like the big one. Have you? With the big chandeliers and things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, It's like the Adelphi is like the place where what, like 50 years ago, 60 years ago, no longer than that, it was like the White Star Line, this amazing like upmarket hotel, so it would be like all the celebrities would go there, and it was absolutely like 
the place to go and stay in Liverpool. And now it's like famous for being like the UK Faulty Towers and the BBC did a documentary on it because it's just like it's just like a tired sort of slightly faded glamour, I guess, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and mm. I still find it really mm. beautiful in its own way, whereas people think it's a bit like a bit sketchy now. You know, with the chandeliers, like you said, and stuff like that. Mm. So we have this massive room which is basically like it kind of looks like a dirty powder pink on the walls and then there's this wild red carpet with all these like stained beige like patterns on it but it's like a big light room and it's just it couldn't be more Adelphi in Liverpool so we have got a bit of a crazy room to work with and actually a lot of the exhibition will be on freestanding structures so at the minute we're at this problem where we've not got funding from the Arts Council and we're looking at how to build this structure and what money we're going to use because it will all be a freestanding structure so it's quite creative in one way but in some ways we're at this point now where we're like can we do this and maybe we need to rethink this idea like what's the next challenge obviously because uh, we, we were talking about this weren't we um downstairs in the in the uh, kitchen before you know in terms of getting funding and trying to make sure that there's some money there to support this it's all that's always a challenge it really is um and um you know from going in to you know, putting in funding applications and things like that. Is that something you've done a lot of or has this been the first time that you've really had to deal with that side of things? Yeah, this has like been brand new. Like everything has been the first time, which so we're probably in the same boat in that respect. But like, uh, yeah, the Arts Council, it was a, I think like a 60, 90 page document and they have 90 seconds to read this document and make a decision. So the amount of work and time you put into this and you, you know that it's going to be 90 seconds, it's just, you know, the odds aren't very good. And it, it's a lot depending on the day and if they just like it and what you're up against in terms of other applications on the day. And also things like, at the minute, a very topical um, subject is ageing. So if you have a project based around ageing, you are more likely to get funding. Well, ours isn't on ageing. So, you know, we mm -hmm. kind of thought that it would be a bit like that. But a bit it was, more of a long shot. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, is that... A, an application that you put in as the collective then or did you have to do this all on your own <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was the collective we did it together but actually in some ways trying to put an art uh, an application together as a group of people is probably harder than if you just sit there and do it yourself so that was that was quite difficult there, there was a moment where there was like a six hour stint in a room and I just didn't get involved in that so there's been things like that that, that have gone on but yeah, we put it in, and, and part of the whole process of Lightbox is just to learn the process. So next time, if I do want to apply to Arts Council, I have tried it now. So part of it is just a learning thing rather than thinking, oh, we didn't get funding, so that was a bit of a failure, you know. There's always a positive along the way. Absolutely. Um, so obviously, Sarah, you're at the other end of this. You're just coming out of formal education, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so how old are you now? 17. 17 now, okay. So um, what is it that you're looking to do in the future? What is it that your kind of like your next aim in terms of this project would be? Um, I do you know I haven't got one. I think my, my current aim is finish, <laughs> finish, yep. finish my A level, see what I'm doing, and uh, hopefully I'll get some sort of guidance. I feel like when I finished my A levels, I, and um, maybe after summer perhaps because. I need some time to do everything and decide out of everything what I like doing the most because there's so many things that you can do with your life and it's it's just I need I've hardly done anything yet so I just need to know what it is that I like doing yeah. first before I make a decision. 
It's kind of crazy, isn't it, when you only get to like 17 and people are like, okay, so what are you doing next? So the, and you, you're thinking, like you said, I've not had time to try everything yet. There's, yeah. so, there's so many things, so many avenues you can go down with that. I think it's really lovely um, that you've chosen for this project specifically that you're looking at using film cameras and using analogue. And, and um, as we were talking about, Nikki, before, it's nice that you're able to already recognise what's important about beautiful in monotony, you know, and have that um, awareness of what's going on, um, which is lovely. Um, tell us a little bit about what you've done so far with that. You've been using your Instax Mini, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. so I've used my Polaroid camera just to take... I haven't actually done anything on my project yet, but I've just taken a few little pictures like of my friends and we went out for dinner and of animals and things like that. So because I know... It's quite because I don't have many pieces of film. I'm careful with the pictures that I take anyway. So I've I've tried to take pictures of of my friends. So what you know, memories and people that I want to keep forever. So because because with it being film as well, it's the kind of thing y you keep hold of it with it with digital photography. I find like I lose it or I wipe it. Like if you lose access to your cloud accounts or anything like that, it's all gone. So. Yeah, I've been trying to take pictures of things that I know I want to keep. Mm. <laughs> what is it that's drawn you specifically to analog? Do you think? Um, I think partly because I've experimented with digital and I found that I don't necessarily like the the high amount of detail and just the the amount of time that you spend editing photos and then looking terrible and things like that. Like, um, but with film, I wanted that I wanted to look quite not rough, but less detailed and um, I, particularly with Polaroids you get that like slightly overexposed look and I really like that so yeah and I wanted to do something that looks a little bit retro. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Um, Nikki, any, sorry I could see no, you were about to say something. When um, you were talking about you know the idea of the photograph is something you hold and you keep mm. there's an interesting crossover which will lead into kind of a little bit about what I'm doing as well is because the um the project that I'm working on for this exhibition is looking at the idea of the photograph as a memory. So you know when you used to send postcards and like take a photograph that you keep maybe in a box under under the bed and things like that. Now you will take a photograph and upload it with like, you know, from your holidays and put a status change on Facebook. But what I'm interested in is the difference between the use of photography in terms of like a physical memory that you keep that you'll probably go back to at some point. And the idea of the photograph that you put up on Facebook, which is experienced and then and then just forgotten, and then it just it just leaves. So it's not really a memory anymore in that sense. So I bought a stack of old postcards from I don't know if you've you've seen that junk shop near the bombed out church called Sixty Nine A. Oh yeah, love Sixty Nine A. So they have, often have quite a few old analog cameras oh, in there. It's just actually. in there. It's mm -hmm. amazing. Like I first discovered it about ten years ago when I was at uni here, and it's always like you know I always remembered it. I bought a stack of the postcards and I found um, that four of them had the same address. They were sent to the same person and they were from like the 50s and things like that. So I traced them back, I spent some time tracing it back and I found the family of these two people who have now passed. And they collected the, all these amazing photographs of their parents and all these amazing artifacts, so old lockets and like, you know, like an old bedpan and binoculars and his dad used to be chairman of this golf club and they've got this amazing red jacket and things like that. So I'm going to photograph these objects as, um, you know, the idea of like the material memory mm -hmm. and looking at photography in that way. So that's the project that I'm working on. Oh, so it's interesting that you talk about that. You know, that, that tends to be an interest with analogue photography. Yeah. 
Definitely. The tactile, the physical, the how how it relates to the past. Uh, personally, I'm really interested in legacy and loss and, and memory, obviously, and how, how that all fits together. Um, and the, like you said um, about the digital nature of it, it's very transient, isn't it? It still appears, disappears, and then it might pop up in five years and you're like, remember on this day on Facebook or something, you know. Might yeah, they've started up. doing that, yeah. actually, haven't they? Um, so that's interesting that... Um, Clearly, there's you know that's driven by some need or want from somewhere that they've gone. Oh, okay, we recognise that people like to be reminded of what they did five years ago, ten years ago, last year, um, at the same time. Um, and I think that's wonderful that you found these postcards. Isn't that cool that you found these it's postcards in? So as you can probably tell, unfortunately, it sometimes happens to the best of us. There were some technical issues at this point where the recording cut out. So I'd just like to say a huge thank you to Nikki and Sarah, who were an absolute delight to talk to. And to let you know that Nikki will be showing her first series of photographs at Independence Biennial this summer as part of a group show called Hidden Worlds. So keep an eye out um, on Nikki Cooley Photo and at Unio underscore collective, which is U-N-I-O underscore collective for more news and updates on that. Moving on now to our next interview, which was a chat with the delightful Leah Elm, who came up to Liverpool at the end of March specifically to help out as my little vintage photography assistant at Young Makefest, which was a maker and creator festival held at the gorgeous Liverpool Central Library, where we were delivering some cyanotype sun print workshops as part of the half-term activities. Hi everybody, it's Rachel. Um, I'm here today with Leah Elm and uh, she came along up to Liverpool um, to basically look after me, um, assist me with the crazy day that we've had today, which was um, making cyanotype sun prints as part of the Young Makefest, um, which is the uh, sort of like youth version of the Makefest that I did in the summer. So hello Leah, how are you doing? I am doing really well, thank you. <laughs> Good. Um, so how have you found today? I find it really exciting. I've never actually won a workshop with photography before. I've done other events uh, and I've done other kind of teaching things, but not with photography or film photography. And it was really exciting to see people's reactions, uh, to see children's reactions especially, to the exact kind of feelings or emotions I get when I make something, especially with cyanotypes, because it's magical. It really is, isn't it? And and I think, actually, that reaction is really, for me, what makes it so awesome. Um, that's exactly why I do what I do. And I know that you came to cyanotypes from uh, the VNA. So yeah. tell us a little bit about how you came to, to making those. Well, I was... Uh, a part of the VNA's youth collective for a while, for about two years or so. And uh, I wanted to volunteer more, so they had a training day where you would basically be trained to do a tour guide. And as part of the training, they took you through the photographer's gallery, which I loved, of course, because that's my speciality, even though they have a large collection of all kinds of other stuff. Uh, and we were shown Anna Atkins' photographs, and then we were shown how to create sun prints or cyanotypes using um, really sort of easy to get solar paper and I just fell in love with it and mine didn't actually come out but I just love the <laughs> actual process of it I love the tactile feel of it in my hands I loved washing it afterwards 
Um, so it, it was really amazing and taught me that photography can be something else than just pressing a shutter button or looking at pictures on the screen. It can be a process that you get involved with your hands and mm. you can smell the chemicals and it becomes so much more of a like a lived-in experience than just seeing something, mm. um, which I thought was amazing. Absolutely. And um, was that the first time you'd done something that had an actual process as part of it? Or had you already been working with film? And how did you kind of, like, come to that? No, I think place? that was the first time I actually did something hands-on because uh, I'd been taking a lot of photographs uh, with a digital camera for many years, um, about, I don't know, 10 years or something before that. But I'd never done any film photography, I'd never done instant, um, I'd never done any printing, so that was definitely my first time, and just fell in love with it. And later on, when I learned about Anna Atkins uh, and her cyanotypes and how she was the first woman or the first person in the world to create a photo book because of the cyanotypes, I got really interested in printing techniques, in um, book binding, in book history, and that took me just to a whole other level of wanting to learn more about those things as well amazing and so um you talked a little bit about bookbinding i know that um when i uh, was originally thinking about doing the um under underexposed uh, podcasts and speaking to some of the female artists yeah um i actually sent you a message and said have you got some ideas for questions <laughs> um so yourself and hillary clark were the two people i thought you might have some interesting questions, questions to yeah. ask. Um, so uh, obviously in that first episode with Tina and with Isabel, we talked actually quite a lot about book binding. Was that yeah, something... printing and book binding, which I really enjoyed listening to because it's the kind of thing that mm. I haven't really explored that much of yet, um, except for designer types. Uh, and it's something I would like to learn more and, and just do a lot more. And I find that a lot of these processes can be done... Once you've learned them, you can do them easily at home. They're not that expensive... Um, it's something anyone can learn really it's, it doesn't have to be in a dark room it doesn't have to be in a studio it doesn't have to have a massive letterpress or access to that kind of equipment it can just be really scaled down process um, that means you can make something with your hands yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's partly what we were saying today, isn't it? To to people who are coming round, it was like actually, you, all you need is a bit of sunshine and a black box and some chemicals, yeah. and not even necessarily a black box. You can do this as chemicals. Or not even necessarily. You know, today we made cyanotypes with mixing the A and B solutions that's normally done, but you can just buy solar paper that's mm. already coated. It's a little bit less messy, and for people who might not be prepared to spend a lot of time or money learning the full process yet um that can be a really good starter and it's also the way i started doing it because basically after that first uh tryout at divine i went home and i bought some um sun paper from silver print and started to learn the process slowly and then afterwards i started mixing my own chemicals and coating it onto more sort of durable um, paper as mm. well and actually one of the ones that you showed me uh, just on a as a phone snap that you made recently was just so beautiful and really powerful I thought as well which was your grandmother's yeah uh, lace work I think yeah so I don't know that. I'm from Denmark so I don't know the English word for it but it's doily. like yeah doily it's a doily <laughs> but the actual work she's doing is like a process where she uses a lot of pins uh, on a board uh, with a rolling pin that kind of thing um, and it's tiny handwork it takes hours and hours and hours just to make one doily and people don't really use doilies anymore and the skill is underappreciated it's kind of going out of use and I really wanted to do something to honour her and the work she used to do 
And now that she's dead as well, it was another way for me mm. to kind of use her skills and her handicraft to use that to in to, to incorporate yeah. into my process. Mm. Um, and along with her doily, I also had, uh, from the same kind of process, my aunt had made a big mart for me. So I used her as an extra um, to kind of incorporate the two kind of generations. Um, that was also made of lace, But from two it? different parts of the family. Mm. Um, so yeah, so it was made for me. So that's really mm. nice to do that. So um, you took those pieces, uh, you basically created your own handmade, you painted on the cyanotypes and then you laid them over, yeah. over the top. So now I don't really, I mean, I sometimes use the cheap solar paper if I want to try something out uh, because the chemicals are slightly more expensive. So I sometimes do a test run of it or to see how a negative is doing when I'm using digital negatives as well. Um but most of these days I mix my own chemicals and I put them on paper because the colours you get with the chemical mix are a lot more vibrant. Um, they have different tones. So if you're using a feather or something that has different layers in it, like a slice of lemon, you will actually see all of those translucent layers where the solar paper won't give that image. Mm. It's much more of a... Um, 2D image just or even shape, just 1D really. it's a shape mm. really mm. Um, like, like even today when we made the bookmarks and it was properly mixed chemicals you can see the difference when people pick a feather and it has dots in the feather because they will come out mm. and they won't necessarily do that on solar paper yeah. they will just be the outline of it absolutely um so uh, did anything come up today that you were like oh I wasn't expecting that were there any sort of like responses or anybody who said anything particularly to you um there was one girl in particular who had been told about the festival uh and basically none of her classmates wanted to show up so she went on her own and one I think that's amazing I think we often find it a little bit scary to do new things and to go on your own is so brave and she was really interested, not just in actually making the bookmark, but learning the history of it. Um, she wanted to know about the chemistry, what had happened before she arrived and what happens after. And she is the kind of person who might go on to be interested in other things as well. Um, and I think it's really important. So it was nice to see someone who's quite sort of old teen, yeah. um, who was interested in something that's maybe a little bit obscure, which yeah. is very niche. We know yeah. it's a niche yeah. thing that we're interested in. And also, like, all the teenage boys, their reaction. Yeah. Like, yeah. they found it really magical when I developed the bookmarks with them mm. uh, to see their excitement. Because I was kind of expecting they might think it was a little bit silly or not for them. But they took it really seriously, yeah. actually. They took it quite seriously. Yeah, it's great. And it was really lovely to, to see those reactions, hear those reactions. And, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's... Um, that kind of process, I feel, or just analog in general. If you get somebody into a dark room with the trays, and you 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 can see these images appearing in front of you, yeah, it still it still keeps that magic. I it, think. it is magical yeah. to see it, and I think it was the same thing that made me really want to learn cyanotypes, and it was the first step I took into an analog world mm. because. After a while, I got uh, an instant, um, an old refurbished Polaroid camera from my boyfriend. And then I've discovered that Ilford made these disposable cameras. Really cheap, can buy them in boots. Um, really easy to send them off to Ilford and they will develop them for you with their own chemicals. So you know you'll get fairly good results. Uh, and that started me off mm. uh, on the whole analogue thing. 
And I ended up asking my dad if he still had his camera. And that's the one I'm using now. And so. he does. He still has that. He still had it. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, he hadn't thrown it away or anything. Um, so which one is it? So it's a Ricoh KR5 SLR. And I use the 50mm lens that he's always been using as well. And funnily enough, that's my favourite too. And mostly I use Kodak film or Ilfit film. Mm. But at the moment, I'm trying all sorts of... Adex color implosion. I just got a Japan camera hunter street pan. I got Cosmo photo as well. Great. So I'm still learning quite a lot, still new and experimenting, but also has like already found my signature films that I know are my go tos. Yeah, I like that you, you sent me a message before you arrived today saying, Which one do I bring? I've got yes. this one and this one, and I'm not sure. And, and what's Liverpool? I was like, It's Liverpool. It could be literally either, you know, yeah, from yeah, yeah. 100 ISOs fine up to, no, God, we're going to Normally, need to use I use films. I really love grain. So I use 400 because I love the grain, but also because it's England, it's cloudy. Yeah. You never really quite know what you're getting. And it's a good kind of medium film when you're not sure about the speed. Mm. Um, also, I was told that was a really good film to start on when you were first learning because it didn't demand too much of you and it wasn't too slow or too fast. It's got a lot of latitude in it yeah. and, and it, it's um, it's very forgiving, I think. It's very forgiving. It's very good in almost almost all kinds of um, situations or weather conditions. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's like a year and a half ago when I went somewhere, I might have hopped the camera in my digital one, maybe an Ilford disposable, and now all of a sudden I have so many decisions to make. <laughs> <laughs> like, I write on Twitter, like, why should I bring, like, I have a whole stash to choose from uh, that I never had before, and I'm like, oh, God, it's, it's like, what book to read at the end of the day on a trip, and what film should I bring? And obviously, you do have to kind of make decisions beforehand, mm -hmm. um, but you also have to be open to weather changes. So, yes. yeah, yeah, still learning. <laughs> So um, what was it that you went out and shot today? Um, so today, because we were doing a lot of work mostly based on the library, one, I wanted to kind of shoot it uh, as like mementos. Mm -hmm. And I also found it a little bit difficult to choose which film because it was really cloudy. It was mm. quite dark. And perfect weather for some prints. Yes, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> perfect. We're nice and just like, yeah, high sun and no clouds at all. Didn't happen. Um, but I ended up bringing my Polaroid camera to the library because it's more simple. Uh, there's not really a lot you can do with it, but that's kind of good for overcast weather. And I think they, they usually look best, actually, mm. I think, mm. for me anyway, on an overcast day. Do you find that? I find that as well, actually, if you've got really harsh light, trying to work out how to meet it or how to I get do, yeah. a... Usually Polaroid. the ones I've had in really harsh light or indoor light, you know, yeah. in darkness, where you crank up the flash... I'd, it might work for some people. It doesn't work for me. Yeah. Generally, I'm a cloudy person. So, <laughs> yeah, it works. It works like that. So I chose some black and white um, for today to get like different light conditions, both inside the library and outside, mm. where we saw some reflections and some different buildings that had different tones in the brickwork or stonework. Um, and what I shot them on was my One Step Two. Yes, my uh, my brand new Polaroid camera that Yay. the boyfriend got me for Christmas. Oh, good points. So yeah, I haven't <laughs> retired the Spectre yet. I'm still using it, still loving it. Um, but yeah, the One Step Two is a new infatuation that I absolutely adore. Excellent. I love the design of it, holding it, and um, the new film is an improvement as well. Mm. I find the new emulsion is really good. 
today was very clear pictures. I thought. Yeah. We um, th- there was a, a small moment when when um, Daniel or the half and uh, and I were looking at you as you were holding the new camera over the balcony yes. of the <laughs> of the library, and we were both like, "Oh God, there's no I strap on, on it." On. Yeah. I actually was holding on so tight that <laughs> I accidentally put my finger in front of the hole where the film comes out, and the film ended up being stuck, so I couldn't take it out. <laughs> but that's the kind of thing you do. You make mistakes because you're so worried about something else, yeah. and you don't always think about all the things you're doing at the same time uh, but How I did didn't solve drop, it I didn't drop the camera and Rachel had the brilliant idea that if I took another picture <laughs> then it would push the other one out automatically and it did push out both the first one and the second one yes. so all was good nothing was broken nothing got dropped down like six floors of staircases <laughs> so good results and it was an amazing shot so it was worth a little bit of um a little bit of danger I think Oh, that's such a good quote. I love that. It's <laughs> worth a bit of danger. We have to we have to be dangerous. In we this. did talk about this earlier today yeah. as well. Like, ugh, it would be amazing sometimes when you shoot with a 50 mil, like I most of the, do most of the time, that you can actually step out into the street with lots of cars going to get the right shot when you can't. Mm. So, yeah, a little bit of danger, but also a little bit of safety <laughs> or, yeah, common sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um so did anything else come up from today that you were thinking, oh, I really want to go and shoot that next or anything else, reflections on how you found the experience of doing this? I think I would love to do more workshops, actually. I would love to go out and show other people how easily it can be done and inspire. And I think especially for women, it's really nice to get them into it. And today we talked a lot about how the different kind of um, parts of making a cyanotype, for example, it's a printing method, it's a photography method, it's chemistry. Um, you know, if you're using a negative as well, it's also a hybrid kind of digital um Because you skill. work a lot with that, don't you? I work a lot with that. So I'll take an instant photo, I'll take a 35 mil photo, I'll scan it into my computer, um, I'll make a digital negative with curves that I change in... in um, Photoshop and and then I will put that negative onto a cyanotype. Mm-hmm. So it's like analog, digital, analog mm-hmm. and constant hybrid. And sometimes I'll scan in the cyanotype as well and then that will become digital again mm-hmm. and you can then print it out as a photo book and stitch it up and then that will lay put like another layer of mm-hmm. um process to it. That I, I love really that. Like. <laughs> that so it never good. ends. <laughs> exactly. So up my street is just this huge cycle of lovely yeah. of lovely photography and fun stuff. And... I was reading a, a book a few years ago when I lived in London um, by Austin Kleon called How to Still Like an Artist and it was really inspiring and he was a poet who does something called blackout poetry where he takes a newspaper and he blacks out with a pen all the words he doesn't want and just leaves uh, the words that he finds interesting to make a poem with. But he writes about that book, like how he does that in an analogue way with a proper pen, old fashioned. He will scan it in, edit it on a computer and then print it out for a book layout. So he actually has physical prints that he can work around with to see what it will look like rather than just having it set up on a Mm. computer. Um, so yeah, so I love analog, but I also really love kind of hybrid processes and mixing things up a bit. Um, yeah, definitely. Sounds wonderful, and it's been so lovely to have you here. As uh, it's been amazing, <laughs> it's been amazing to be in Liverpool, but really amazing to see um, a workshop and getting inspired by other people 
getting really enthusiastic about it as well. Um, just before we finish up, uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about, um, you actually spoke about earlier to me um, about when Aid had gone to the church in London. Yeah. And that obviously that was a really special place for you. It and was, that yeah. that's also um, a, project, a place that you, you kind of go back to as well. Yeah, I do. I definitely go back to a lot of the places I've been to because for me, photography is so much about trying to find a tangible way to keep my memories. I'm really worried about dying, like most artists are, like most people are, and I've found a compromise in taking photographs with that and also hoping that seeing a photograph will jog my memory someday when I can't remember where I was or what I was doing or what I loved at that time of my life. Um, and that church became important because I went there when I was feeling a bit down, completely stressed out from working too much on a summer. Um, I worked at a castle. It was high peak tourist season. I just needed um, space and time for myself. So my boyfriend sent me on a train up to London <laughs> and I went to that church. Knew a little bit about it, but didn't want to see too many photos. Um, didn't want it to have too much of inspiration on me. Mm. I wanted to do my own thing and took some really nice shots up there. But it was more about actually doing it than necessarily getting a nice photograph out of it. But I had like tons, so many, <laughs> so many pictures. Yeah. And um, actually, because you, you are also a writer and you yeah. write a blog, um, I know that you shared the images obviously from that. I have, yes, on my post. Um, in terms of your blog, what are some of the ones that you found have been most... Um, sort of like liked or commented on or so that was popular. actually one of them because uh, I wrote a blog post not just about the images but the experience of going there and why I was going there and the whole idea of showing that photography for me is is an active thing that you're doing for yourself because you enjoy it and it makes you feel good and I kind of found myself as I was walking around the church this burned out uh, or bummed out church um, and I was slowly just finding myself through like just a few hours in London and then I just felt like me again and mm. it was really, um, really good for my mental health as well. Mm. And um, yeah, now I forgot what the okay. of thought was. <laughs> so that one and... Yeah, so that one that... and then there was uh, another one which was when I went analogue with film that like went really well. People were very interested in that. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of when I found a community as well, because a lot more people on Twitter suddenly wrote to me, had conversation with me. So those are my people. And then there was a migrant literature one that is really good, which I like, because I'm a migrant from Denmark living in England. And the very last one is when I took some photos um, that were failures. They uh, were my second rule of film had a lot of really awful light leaks um, when they came back from the photo lab. Completely devastating, completely beautiful, like just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Happy accidents. Um, not felt in the first instant when I saw them, but they kind of, they grew on me quite a lot, so. I think what was lovely about that post was actually, I think I was already, I was already following you obviously yeah. by this point. I'd seen, I'd seen quite a lot of your It's when your we work. started having conversations in, as well. Yeah. yeah and, properly. and I think I sent you a message saying, these are so beautiful and yeah. don't be afraid of the accidents and the things that, that Not don't Not just work. having them happen, but also showing yeah. them to yes, people. Exactly. Because what happened with that particular post, not so much the views I had in numbers, but has so many people commenting, so many people writing to me, relating to it, saying, I know exactly what it feels like to mess up, to blame myself, to feel like, you know, that was a waste of time, a waste of money, especially when you're doing film. It is expensive. 
but that there is something good that can come from it. And even if it's not a nice picture, which this did turn out to be, um, then it will be something else. It will be something new that you learned, or even just the fact that for me, I learned to accept imperfections, learned to accept that it's okay not to get things right, uh, that I don't have to be perfect. And the photography really isn't about really isn't about the image. I mean, I love the photos I take and I love looking at them and I love sharing them and sharing them to people, but it's about the act of taking a photo more than anything else. It's the doing it mm. that means something. Definitely. Yeah. And um, uh, just to follow on from that, there's uh, some lovely news that you might there want to share is, with us. Yes. Go on. <laughs> Even Dave's so, telling me. Yeah, so basically, I was really excited because, like, first thing in the morning, I was like, Rachel, I need to tell you something. I've been having this secret. I need to get it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Most of you probably have heard of Let's Explore magazine, which is this lovely independent magazine uh, that runs in limited print runs. And it shows travel photography, it shows analog photographers, and it tells their stories not just about their travels, but behind the processes, what they're doing, what they're shooting and why. Um, and a few months ago, there was an open submission, an open call for the next issue, which is about perseverance. And originally I thought, I don't have anything. It doesn't fit anything I do. I'm not good enough. I'm not at that stage um, where I think I should be sharing my stuff in a printed publication. I'm simply too new. I'm too much of a beginner. Um, and then I actually saw that this Only 16 podcast was saying, just give it a go. Just just put it out there. And even if you don't get accepted, you have gone through, again, a process of trying to put some thoughts down, of writing a pitch, of thinking of your pictures maybe differently, because you have to think about what's worth seeing for other people, selecting them, making, making a selection is really useful. Um, and I ended up sending out a pitch. I selected some photos and I actually got picked. So Yay! for the first time in my life, outside of my blog, outside of Twitter and Instagram, I will actually be sharing my photographs and some words about them as well with other people in a more professional way. You'll be a published artist. I will be a published artist, yeah. It will be amazing. <laughs> That's so wonderful. It's really exciting. I'm really excited about it. And what I like about that is as well, it is a collaboration um, with the editor of Let's Explore magazine. So it's a thought process, again, a different way of working with photography. I haven't done so much in the past, which is to write about it and think more deeply of what they mean to me, those photographs. Um, so yeah, really excited and really excited to see what everyone else has done. So good. <laughs> Thank you so much, Leah. It's been absolutely wonderful to have you here today. It's been an amazing day. <laughs> so, you've got such a wonderful, beautiful, bubbly personality. You've Thank been perfect, you. perfect um, assistant uh, for me today. And, and I got to stand <laughs> on a rooftop at Central Library in Liverpool and do paintballing for the first time in my life. <laughs> That's true. We didn't even talk about that, did we? So, okay. So, what else did we do? Because I realised <laughs> that you need to have a go at this. So, yeah. So, I've never done any pinholding, uh, pinholing, sorry. Um, and I was really I don't know anything about it so obviously having Rachel there to actually lend me a pinhole camera was amazing to try it out and kind of show me the ropes and tell me what to do and what not to do <laughs> uh, using a proper bag for it putting the film in and everything setting it up was really exciting so yeah I will take that experience home with me <laughs> yay okay more pinholes in the world yes excellent more more cameras that <laughs> is going to be put on the wish list <laughs> the boyfriend will be very very excited <laughs> 
<laughs> Speaking of which, we should probably go back downstairs and find out how they've been getting on, talking about the, uh, yes, the books and the graphic novel collection downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you so much, Leah. Thank you so much for having me and for inviting me up here. No worries. We will do some more adventures in the future. Absolutely, sure. we have to. Great. Thanks, bye. Bye. <laughs> Finally today I'm going to finish off with some audio that I recorded at various points during the course of the most recent workshop that I ran. I was really fortunate to be able to be joined by the three mega talented ladies in the shape of Hilary who's at H Clark, A-I-T-C-H-C-L-A-R-K-E, Ruth who is at Ru underscore Ru underscore S and Meredith who is at Merry Mayhem, M-E-R-R-I Mayhem. And that's all on Instagram. So during the workshop, we made some pinhole cameras. We shot with some 35mm SLRs, hand-developed our black and white film and tray-developed some paper negatives. Most importantly, of course, we got to have a day together, shooting, chatting and taking some time out of the everyday stresses of life to geek out together over analogue photography. Because that with these few like things you can make. Make a camera. Make an image. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I think that is just my absolute favourite part of photography. Yeah. That you really just, all you need is, you know, some chemicals and some sunshine and Mm. a bit of tin and uh, a black card. A bit of black card. You're good, aren't you? The Chinese takeaway box. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's recyclable. Yeah, exactly. uh, You know. Oh, yes, we have light. Whee! Excellent. The hole looks slightly wonky, but we have, do have some light. Cool, that looks really good. Okay, so you've got it, um, you've got your pinhole, you've got your housing, which is lovely. You're going to, I would suggest, maybe just add an extra couple of yeah. pieces there, just to make sure that it's definitely no light coming in yep. through that. Um, and then you'll just want to make a little shutter, a little card shutter out of the other piece of card. Try this. Okay. So, um, Ruth, tell me a little bit about um, your photographic work, what it is, because you said you've only recently kind of come to it in the last two or three years. Yeah, I reckon it might be three years this summer. It was June when I bought my first Polaroid uh, 1000 LAN camera. Hmm. And um, I just fell in love with it instantly. <laughs> I like the pun. And then... Um, okay. I've not really looked back from there, really. And then from from the instant stuff, I've got into 35mm, which I haven't shot since I was a child. No one in my family's sort of interested. Mm. Not in like a, you know, in a, we're we're going on holiday, we'll take a camera and type way. But, um, so yeah, got got into Mm 35mm and then decided that I was going to learn how to develop my own eggs at home so i do that started with color c41 mm-hmm. and then i've recently done some black and white as well um, so more of that today then i guess yeah yeah so at the moment i just do i just do the eggs and then mm-hmm. scan them right I was very kindly about a year and a half or two years ago gifted um enlargers ah, and everything fantastic. that you could need to set up a dark room and it's all been put in the small bedroom mm-hmm. with a view to doing that mm-hmm. and that's just the time <laughs> time time is yeah, is you time. know the, yeah. the difficult thing isn't yeah, it yeah, yeah. 
um, it's nice to see you carving out a little bit of time today at least yeah, to do this absolutely. And, and do it as a team together as yeah, well, which is yeah. good, yeah. especially because you're always all friends already. Yeah. Well, this is like the second one now, isn't yeah. it, that we've done? I mean, the online, commun- the online film photography community is absolutely brilliant, and um, there's nothing else like it that I've really come yeah. across in terms of like a community of people. So supportive, yeah, and people just willing to share their knowledge and their kit, you know, people yeah. just send and their time, and their yeah, time. and people, people show their mistakes in a way yeah, that, that yeah. other communities yeah, don't, so absolutely, you learn yeah. from other people, yeah. exactly, errors too. It makes a big difference to be able to um, feel like you can just send a message and go, Do you know what? Yeah. even I've, I've been doing it for 25 years, that's the reason that you asked somebody yeah. else, yeah. maybe you've already gone through that problem you know and no or, one will say yeah. you should know that yeah what, yeah what exactly yeah. yeah which is really lovely isn't it yeah and it's it's really nice to see um especially women being part of that i yeah. think it's really important um because our voices do tend to get a little bit lost yeah. sometimes yeah we're a little bit underrepresented yeah. at times yeah so that's good to good to see what we're we doing ruth second. 45 aren't we yep 45 Give her a five second warning. Yeah. 35. Okay. 40. <laughs> 41. 42. 43. 44. Bingo. Woo! Yay! Yay! We did one! <laughs> Alright, turn okay. it back over, uh, upside down just so we know that's definitely. Yeah, there we there go. go. Awesome. Cool. Very nice. Okay, so we've done the first one there. Lovely. Um, yeah, fantastic. So yeah, balances out. How are you finding the Olympus? I'm not shot anything yet. Oh, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go and do. Go All right. Shoot some. Right. So let's. So I'm so used yeah, to with the F and two. Obviously, it's all mm-hmm. manual, isn't it? Yeah. So and, and it's the dots. <laughs> so in this one, there's the yellow, the green square, mm-hmm. and then the red arrows. Yeah. So that's focus actually. It's oh, focus is it? Assist. Okay. Yeah. Which I didn't realise originally. Um. But yes, because it feels like it should be an exposure thing. It does, doesn't, doesn't it? it? Yeah. So in terms of exposure, because if you're setting it to the uh, auto yeah. anyway, uh, so we're on off at the moment. If you pop it onto yeah. auto, if you pop it up to your eye, mm. obviously if you focus. Have a little go at moving yeah. focus. You should see them start to change. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what that's for. And then on the left hand side, there's yeah. red dots next yeah. to your shutter speed. Yeah. So you can, using the front um, ring, yeah. change Just your change aperture, those. and that's all you'd need to do on that. Okay. So obviously, if you if you found that you it was getting to like a thirtieth of a second, yeah. you'd be like, I need to open up my yeah, aperture yeah. Yeah. in order to make like, more light. Absolutely brilliant. Is that all right? Yeah. Good. Okay. One last exposure. One last. Ah, okay. 25. All those blue bells are moving now. 27, 28, 29, 30. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Maybe if you could just tell me which cameras we've been using and what we've been up to, that'd be great. So, okay. Hilary, what have you been what have you been using today? We I got the uh, my dad's old Pentax S1A. That's not used that before so I don't really don't know if that's going to come out or not. Like, there's, there's a bit of fogging in the viewfinder which I'll have to wait and see if it actually comes through on the lens. But yeah, it was fun to use that. It's it got like a line as well. Yeah, we weren't sure whether that's in the viewfinder or if it's something to do with on the mirror or something. We're not sure. Wait and see. Yeah. Um, but you blasted through a roll. I did. Which apparently is very, very, very unusual. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm so slow. I'm very slow at taking a 
and the pinhole we use the, the, the homemade pinhole yeah so you guys yeah. make pinhole cameras yeah. awesome. first time Woo. so we don't know if they've worked at all yet but we had fun making them. i'm confident are you confident i was gonna say i reckon, yeah, I reckon yours is gonna be a blind <laughs> So that that was ace, and you were shooting. I think you two were shooting up. Oh no, you were shooting sort of like across, yeah. getting some of the birch, like yeah, the, the trunk, trunk. Hopefully, yeah. And yours was sort of straight, straight up. up. And yeah. So we'll see because it got a canopy yeah. kind yeah. of cover. Yeah. Um, my mum was across on the tree trunk um, and with the feather, with the feather sticking up. So we use. I reckon that's going to look really cool. It'd be really I nice do. if that I comes out. That too. should look really yeah. cool because it'll give us that difference in terms of the size but yeah. with the infinite depth of field that, that might look really good so lovely oh and of course using your fantastic little homemade that's stand true. that's true my yeah. technology hack that rolled a piece of cardboard it's inspired absolutely <laughs> so we've got those to look forward to so we'll have a go at developing those and you also shot with the Ilford Obscura yeah. didn't you yeah. so it'll be interesting to see whether there's a difference or how, how they're different or yeah. It's our 20 mil developer. That's going to go in here. There's the thing for in mm -hmm. front of the door. Right. If you just want mm -hmm. to pop that there, that's the yeah. thing. So, um, I'm very impressed with how well you've uh, sealed these up, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you first do a holder. You know, everybody tells you, "Oh, seal it up for the for the light leaks." <laughs> And so you seal it up with so much black tape you can't get on, get it undone again. Excellent. You want to go for it? Okay. All right, so develop her. Yeah. Just pop it in, lovely. And then agitate. And we'll see if you can just keep on making sure it doesn't um, end up with holes. You know, like with the wet plate, yeah. it yeah. was trying to not get end up with collodion. Oh, yeah. Oh, hello. Oh, there's something coming through. Can you oh. see there, Meredith? Oh, yeah. Look at that. Woohoo! Woo! We've got an image! <laughs> Yeehaw! That's Yay. fantastic! That's super cool. Secret. So this is just going to go into stop. Can leaves go back in? That can can just go, go there. back in? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay, okay. so if you, if you carry on agitating that yeah. and let's pop yours in, Henry. Yeah. Alright, do you want to stand in front and agitate? <laughs> <laughs> make sure you agitate. That's good. Because you want to make sure, sorry, it's not yeah. pooling um, and missing any bits. <clears throat> Oh, 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 we go. Have we got there's, something? Yeah, there's stuff coming through. Is it? Is there something coming? Yeah, yeah there's yeah. definitely oh, something coming. Amazing! Oh, well done. That's so cool. I can see trees. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, ooh, oh, yeah, something's go. coming. Something's yes. appearing. Yes. Ooh, they've all worked. That's brilliant. And these are handmade ones, guys. Yeah. So well yeah. done, you. That is super impressive. Just before I go to let you know that Open Eye Gallery are actually going to be holding a zine and photo book fair on June the 30th and they're open for submissions up to the 11th of June. So if you go onto the Open Eye Gallery's website or Instagram or Twitter, you'll be able to find out a little bit more information about that there. And if you email over any submissions, they're looking for those up until the 11th of June. Hopefully um, you'll get your work into that because it'd be so nice to see some more um, of our listeners' work going up as zines and photo books. So that's it for this episode of Underexposed. I hope you've enjoyed it. So please let us know over at sunny16podcast at gmail.com or obviously on our social media, sunny16podcast, um, on Instagram, on Twitter, 
Um, and obviously, I'm sometimes there on Facebook as well, so I'll try my best. Um, hopefully, speak to you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye.